Not sure if many of you know, but we do have a virtual tier within the Design Coven, virtual pro member tier, which includes three virtual meetings a month where we set intentions. We do group coaching. So bring all your questions. We answer those questions and you get to learn from other people going through the same struggles as you. We also do a business practice meeting. So we'll have somebody on to share a business practice that we can all benefit from. And then we also do a product training. So getting a sustainable, eco-friendly line to come on and share who they are so that we can be supported with other like-minded businesses. And if you're not quite ready for pro, you can always join our free community where you will connect with other like-minded holistic interior designers. You don't have to be an interior designer if you are kind of just dabbling or you're aspiring or you're looking into this field. We invite everybody from all journeys and you don't, again, have to be a designer. You don't have to have a degree. We're just a beautiful community of like-minded people looking to create healing spaces, not just for ourselves, but for our clients and future clients. Come join us at designkevin.com forward slash join. Hello there. Welcome back to the Holistic Interior Design Business Podcast. We are on episode 97, and today I've got Jess and Tay of Maduke. This is our second episode in our Sacred Spaces series. Today we're talking about our why, and I hope that this inspires you to create your why or to get more clarity on your why, and then to connect with other like-minded uh, partners. I love Maduke in their philosophies and why they do what they do. This gives you a little bit of behind the scenes. And when we can connect with other brands that support our why, um, I feel like we can really conquer the design world in creating beautiful healing spaces with those trade partners that are huge for our business. So anyway, hoping to give you a little bit of inspiration and some insights with our businesses. You're listening to the Holistic Interior Design Business Podcast. This is a podcast that guides you as a new or inspiring independent interior designer navigating your entrepreneurial path. Here with my over 20 years experience, I will share my holistic approach to design with intention and ancient practices, including feng shui, all incorporating mind, body, and spirit into my design projects. You will also learn from seasoned interior designers as they give strategies and insight of how they built their businesses and continue to work in the field. Together, we will discover supportive trade partners, new ideas, creatives, and inspiring artists from around the world. I'm your host, Rachel Lorraine Crawford. Welcome back to the Holistic Interior Design Business Podcast. This is part of our Sacred Spaces series with Maduke. We've got Taylor and Jessica on with us today. Hey, ladies. Um, Hello. Hi. Uh, before we go into all of that, we're we're talking about the why today, the why of our businesses. Um, I'm going to pull a card and light a candle because that's how we like to create space. So let me go ahead and this candle. Again, um, connecting with intention, creativity. Um, today, really connecting with why we do what we do and how we're changing the design world with sustainability and ethics and, and all of those practices in mind. 
and I'm going to pull a card from Moon BB Magic Tarot. This is a friend of mine. This is Angela Mary Magic. She was on, she was on like the episode. I'll have to look her up like nine or 10 or something. Um, but I'll put her episode link in the show notes if you want to get more info about Angela. And today's card is the devil, which is so fitting. Holy crap. Um, and the key word that she has here is control. And the devil card is that card of being bound and, and tied to the, the way, what I'm hearing is like tied to the way things are, or sort of like, this is the way things have always been done. And you just go in these motions and we just go through the grind and it's connected to all of that. It's also connected to, um, you know, Capricorn with the goat here and um, I'm sure there's some ties there as well and how we are breaking those bonds we are breaking the things um, as in the way things have always been done or doing it traditionally or um, or changing things up so we're breaking our binds from the devil for sure um, do you guys have any <laughs> feelings towards the card <laughs> I mean I initially initially think about the commercial textile industry or just fashion industry in general um in my mind that is the devil it's mm -hmm. bad for the environment and it's really bad for people the people involved um so i think that's an incredibly relevant card to pull uh, as we dive into this yeah large topic of sustainability and how our uh buying and purchases affect the environment and the people that made them Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, I think this is deeply connected, especially as we're going to talk about the why behind our business. Uh, and that's something that all three of us have connected on as far as understanding or coming to this point in our lives where we're facing this wall. And the answer is, well, this is the way that things have always been done. Mm -hmm. And all of us in our own way being like, well, no, <laughs> it's not the way that things should be done. Yeah. So for me, um, you know, the systematic approach and just kind of the attitude of giving in and being like, well, this is the way that things are and I, who am I to be able to change anything? I think that's the devil inside all of us, you know, just that self-doubt and all of those mm -hmm. thoughts coming it's in. It's also kind of, oh, sorry. No, go ahead. It's also <laughs> kind of backwards because it's what we're all, like this system of producing is what we're all used to, but truly it's not what has always existed. Like there's ancient art forms that existed for centuries before we were here. Um, and so it's just, it's, yeah, we're stuck in this, in this rut, in this uh, comfortable space, I would say, of producing and consuming. Uh, but truly there's, there were so many ways to do it before us that weren't impacting people and the environment in the way that they are now. I would love to dive into the why, like, like the reasoning behind, I know we spoke a little bit about it in your previous episode, but I would love to dive in deeper to talk about, you know, the why you started Maduke and what all went into it and um, how it's different from any other textile company um, that's, you know, producing rugs in general and, and also from that region and to kind of get some more insight on that. Absolutely. I would say it, the why stems largely in, in the people producing our products. So when we were living, and, I, and we touched a bit on this last time, but when we were living in Morocco and we were immersed in this very small community, 
We got to know the artisans. We got to know their process. We fell in love with the natural dyes and, and even for me, the herbs and things that you could, there's herb shops on every corner. So everything's very connected to the source and connected to the land. And so when getting to know that process and getting to know the people, when we found out that they weren't, you know, being compensated for the work that they're putting in, or even I would say honored in the way that they should be, that inspired us to step in and, and, and really help this cause and help uplift and uphold this cultural art that has existed even before Morocco was Morocco, I would say. Um, and beyond that, so of course, the commercial textile fashion industry has a large impact on people globally. Um, it also has an impact on the environment. So touching back in on those natural dyes, for me especially, the environmental part um, really pulls at my heartstrings, I would say. I feel like I'm, I'm driven by taking care of the environment. I, uh, I work currently at a farm. I mentioned last time that I love gardening. I love being physically connected to the earth. Mm -hmm. And so starting a business where we have the potential to shift an industry um, you know, that's functioning in a certain way to benefit the people making products, to support the environment, um, and just create a healthy system that inspires me. And I would say that largely was the inspiration um, for us creating the Duke in the first place. Yeah, for sure. Can you um, expand a little bit on, you know, when you talk about these natural dyes and maybe share with us the comparison between what Maduke is doing and the dye system or how other um, rug companies are gathering or dyeing their wool and, and what that process looks like? Absolutely. So I would say most of the time, rug companies aren't using wool and that's what the issue is. Mm. So over 75% roughly of rugs um, and carpets and textiles that are created are made from synthetic materials. So that's nylon, polyester, polypropylene, which all are derived from oil. So I think we understand at this point, drawing more oil than we can from the environment yeah. is harmful to our planet. Um, the burning of those oils is harmful to our planet. and. So we're essentially weaving these synthetic materials into products that we're filling our homes with. And that's right. not only harmful for us to have those in our home or to wear those synthetic materials on our bodies, but the, the leaching of those synthetic materials into the environment is a, is a large problem. The production of these synthetic materials is responsible for 10% of our global greenhouse gas emissions. And so, greenhouse gas emissions and all the greenhouse gases trapped in our atmosphere are what's creating climate change. So it's, it's, it's a huge problem. Um, it's unfortunate that the textile industry is contributing to climate change in such a large way. Yeah. Uh, we also send a lot of our rugs to the landfill and landfills produce a great amount of methane. 
So then we're contributing in two ways, carbon dioxide, methane going into the environment. And not only that, but the production, the, the, the people that are putting in the energy into these product, products, it's for the most part not happening in, a, happening in an ethical way. So they're in factories where they're working extremely long hours. Severely underpaid. Right, severely underpaid, working long hours. They're in the mix with the synthetic materials, so that's then bad for their physical health. There's also the side of it of where factories where these products and, and most synthetic products are produced, they're emitting uh, harmful chemicals through the, the gases and the steam that's coming out of them. So then, therefore, in the surrounding community is being harmed. Um, and generally, those are areas of, you know, lower socioeconomic mm -hmm. uh, status, which is our society, unfortunately, showing its negative side. Uh, and I can't, we, we can't guarantee, obviously not all rep companies are producing in that way. There are companies that are going straight to the source. Wool is probably the best, pro the best material that you can use. There's others like silk, um, jute, like other natural materials that can be woven aren't going to, you know, excrete these harmful chemicals. Um, so going with wool, uh, going with natural plant dyes is the safest for people and the planet. But traditionally, the way, or not traditionally, commercially, the way that rugs are produced, they're 100% synthetic. And so that, that then links back to all of the things that mm -hmm. I just mentioned. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and can you um, share with us about the the natural dyes and where that's coming from, and and how you're able yeah. to create these magnificent colors by natural Absolutely, materials? Yeah. <laughs> so what's so cool is I'll I'll start with the wool, and then we can go into the okay. dyes. But the wool, of course, is it's raw virgin wool that's sheared from sheep. And what's incredible in Morocco is there's still they're utilizing this ancient system where there's a sheep herder, a shepherd, and mm -hmm. he walks around his sheep, you know, his herd of sheep, and that's really his livelihood. So he's feeding these sheep, he's caring for these sheep, he shears the sheep, and that's where his income mostly comes from. And then his the rest of his year, while they're growing the wool, he's tending to them, taking care mm -hmm. of them, and that's his life. So we, our studio works directly with the shepherds that are shearing. We get our raw virgin wool. It's untreated. And then that in our can I studio interrupt you for just fun. a second? What is, um, can you share about treated and untreated wool just to kind of give that definition there as well? A lot of the time, basically raw virgin wool, you would think that it's more common. Mm -hmm. um, it's actually not because people, it has to do with proximity to where you're going and gathering the wool. And so a lot of the time there will be different um, companies and different commercialization methods and they will treat the wool with either some kind of synthetic material to prevent the fibers from breaking up. Okay. Um, and then they'll do, you know, we use a natural plant moisturizer um, that has kind of been in our village, what the people have used for generations. But there's that version in, you know, a synthetic chemical kind of treatment way. Got it. And it's to make the wool soft and it's to break up the wool and it's to kind of make it look 
um, almost shiny. And unfortunately, nine times out of 10, um, it is, you know, synthetic chemically treated Got and it. it's not naturally treated. So raw virgin wool usually refers to, like what Jess was saying, um, we work directly with the shepherds. The women, they go and gather the, sh the wool directly and then they will wash it in the river. And while they're washing in the river, they'll sing all of these ancient songs and chants and, you know, putting mm -hmm. all this energy into it. So that process in the beginning was actually really unique. Um, and there's only a couple handful of other uh, companies that we know that actually do this because there's only so many shepherds mm. in the mountains. And so they all talk. And so it's kind of this like close community of people that know, okay, well, who is legit and who Got is it. going and you know, claiming that their wool is raw virgin, but it's actually, as Jess mentioned earlier, all of these synthetic materials. And you could also have wool, like wool that's sheared from a sheep. It's raw, it's virgin, and then you're adding synthetic materials for the dyes. Mm -hmm. And then that would then make it synthetic. So the actual fibers of it aren't synthetic, um, but it's then treated with synthetic colors and dyes. And sometimes types of preservatives to almost like elongate the life of them. But what's interesting is that wool is naturally fire resistant. Right. And so you don't need to treat wool rugs with the fire retardant that they usually do on synthetic rugs. And so that's a, a really big plus of, of using wool. Because mo most, I would say, of our, uh, the furniture, textiles, things that we fill our homes with are protected with that fire retardant for safety measures. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Even our clothes, you know, everything yeah. just saturated in all these different chemicals that you know we're not aware of and just talking about you know how that translate into having something as you know sacred as your space and you know being around all these things all the time you know let alone from all of the actual harmful sides of it right um, on the energetic side of it you are cultivating you know all of these different pieces and you're expecting this certain like energy to come up and be you know everything is really good but then it's like well where are you getting these from and mm -hmm. like, what's in it and so it's like one plus one has to translate. You know, you can't um, be expecting to want to be cultivating a really safe space and all of these different things and then be importing all these things from places that you have no idea. And a lot of the time that's the big problem is people don't actually, it's not like they want to be able to say, oh, you know, I'm going, I'm getting all these synthetic materials. Yeah. It's just that there's no transparency. And so it's, they're, they don't know, they're uneducated, you know? Um, Unfortunately, that I would say is like the crux of the issue is the transparency with a lot of these companies. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And can you share with us that where these dyes are coming from? I know you speak of them being natural yeah. and are they from the, the land of where the sheep are being raised as well? Yeah, so it, it's all gonna be natural elements um, from Morocco. And what's incredible is they use every part of a plant, every part of a fruit, um, and that kind of, I would say, eliminate, you know, if, if we were using just one thing to dye all of the rugs, of course, that would probably come along with some other issue. Mm -hmm. Um, we would be overutilizing one resource, but it, they're using everything. So it's minerals. I have some examples. Yellow, for example, comes from apple, pear, cherry trees, flowers mm -hmm. like chamomile. 
pineapples. Red comes from poppies. Green comes from fern leaves and I'm sure many other types of leaves. Black oak bark. Other materials used can be dried pomegranate, shells, olive tree leaves, onion skins, turmeric, tea leaves, coffee, matter, which is a perennial plant that is in the coffee family, henna, orange peels. So through these ancient practices, it seems that they've discovered all these different ways to dye. And then there's also chemical reactions that happen. So they'll add maybe like lemon juice to one of these Mm -hmm. and it'll make it a completely different color. So like the acids that come in other elements, they'll mix them. I'm sure through a lot of experimentation, they've developed ways to create every color that that we're aware of. all naturally using things from the earth. They are the true alchemists of just understanding how to work with all of these natural, you know, yes. products. Uh, Jess and I were just yesterday or on Sunday, we were at the La Jolla open air market mm-hmm. and we had someone come up and really love this uh, brown rug that we have, the Hilo pile. Mm. And I told him, uh, he's an architect, and I told him that we this color was made from walnuts. And he just looked at me and was like, there's what? no way. And I said, yeah, you know, it's, it's the walnut rug. So it's just really special to be able to educate people. And as you see, like, she just just lights up, you know, when she starts talking yeah. about it. it makes us so excited because it's something that we should have an understanding of, you know, as far as the way that things should be. And unfortunately, we're so, like, shocked by it because mm-hmm. we're like, wait, what? That's possible? Instead of it being the other way around where... Is it like Jess was saying? It is backwards, you know. It totally is. We're like taking steps backwards in order to be able to move forwards. Like I, I really genuinely feel that people can have people here in the U.S. say um, can have these luxury items that they want to fill their home with, but they can be coming from ethical, sustainable sources, and so that's truly what we're doing at Maduke. If we can spread that message and, you know, help people understand that this is a way of life and that it's easy and that we can connect them to the people that are making their products, I'll, my life will be good. <laughs> and it makes it fun. You know, a lot of people, that's one of our main uh, things that we talk about with our clients is, you know, something as intimate as Mm -hmm. you know when you're cultivating your space and when you're you know trying to figure out uh what pieces that you want sometimes it can be really stressful yeah and shouldn't be stressful it should be a fun creative process and i think that the more that we try to tell people you know no this is actually like a true collaboration because we're talking to the artisans in real time and we're talking to you in real time so if you have an adjustment then let's run it with them and then let's see what they say because you know, some of our best rugs, people will ask, oh, you know, who came up with that design? And we'll say, it's kind of a mix of both. You know, we'll get an idea here and then we'll run it by the women and they'll be able to put it. So it's not, there's no, it's not like transactional, you know, where you just go on a website and you say, oh, let's customize a rug and you only have, you know, X amount of options and right. Y amount of color. Then you just swap it. It's a lot more uh, unique of an experience. And that's something that we really try to drive home because it's what, you know, it should be. It's it's an exciting process and it's just a very bewildering, you know, experience to be able to have. 
Yeah, and I and I also wanted to mention that when we sometimes as designers, when we hear the word like "oh, natural," we're thinking, "Oh my gosh, okay, we're working with muted colors. It's going to be very bland." Like you yeah. know, like okay, well, okay, let's play with some ivories and a little bit of green. Um, but truly, yeah. these colors are magnificent, and there is no real limit on the color options, right? I mean, it seems like I'm looking at all these pictures of these gorgeous rugs, and you've got yeah, you know, bright pinks and apricots and you know green and blue and like everything yeah absolutely so when when people want to customize a rug with us they really it's limitless what they can do um both in the design of it but yeah the colors we can we can really recreate any colors um that our customers come up with and they're so good about it you know if you show them uh a different shade of blue then yeah. they'll know how to as Jess was previously talking not only use those natural elements together for the chemical reaction but then on top of that their understanding of using the sun and like drying mm. time and like how that chemical reaction comes out and how those colors come out I mean it's just they it's a formula that they've wow. that they've got down and so their you know ability to really transform any color into any hue that you want is just cool yeah it's insane i love it mm -hmm. i love it so much <laughs> i'm just like oh my god why can't we have more companies like this i'm just thinking of all the things that we're you know as designers sourcing we have to source so many things and to be on top of all of the environmental factors it's overwhelming and you know it, it can be very daunting um but to have partners like you guys to be able to have our go-to place for airy rugs, textiles, art on the wall, and now you guys are getting into ceramics and um, and wood furniture pieces, mm -hmm. right? Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, it's inspiring. It's just like, okay, I can see a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel, but it's like, just speaking from experience as a designer, it's so, so hard. And like you're saying, so many people are not transparent and so many companies will say, oh, we're green, we're eco-friendly, we're this, we're that. But yeah, truly, we, we don't always know. So I think to hold other manufacturers and companies accountable or to ask the questions. And if we, we're the designers, we have power in there. I know a, a lot of times we feel like, you know, I'm, you know, we're to the mercy of, you know, the devil, right? The devil card of, of what these manufacturers are giving us. But truly we have the power to just keep asking questions and keep asking for more and more and more. And I think as designers, if we can just really come together and start pushing back uh, with these manufacturers and supporting people like you and showing that yes there is a need for this and I think the consumer doesn't even know that this exists so it's really up to us to be those guardians and those um, leaders in that industry to push you know people that are being transparent that are sharing what they're doing and and supporting that so that more and more companies kind of go in that alignment I mean that's just part of what I'm doing and, and part of my why of why I created the podcast and why I created the mentorship program for these designers that are up and coming and or that just want to be more in this holistic field. It's I feel like it's an, it's a huge uphill battle and I'm just taking like one step at a time. And I just admire the things that you both are doing with the Duke and all the other collaborations that you're creating and just again, spreading the word and all we can do is just keep and I always like even when I talk to the, the other designers, it's just like all we can do is just let's just take one step forward. We don't have to see the whole thing. Um, but yeah, 
I, I just love the tie in between why you guys are doing what you're doing, why I'm doing what I'm doing. Yeah. It's yeah. It can be you know, super. There's so many times where, you know, it's such an ebb and flow of everything because then there's these really highs and then, you know, something where it's just like, wow, like it's super overwhelming and sometimes daunting. Um, and something that you just said that really connected it like, yeah, it's just taking those little steps because at the end of the day, you know, if enough consumers, if enough designers, if the market changes to be able to be asking for the demand of these products, then these big brands are going to have no choice but to follow along in that trend. And so I really do think education and also, you know, Jess and I just met um, this amazing woman at the fair and she's from Argentina mm. and she's met make beautiful handwoven hats. And, you know, we were just talking to her, you know, woman business owner, woman business owner, and just sharing like, you know, a lot of the same issues, even though it's completely different products, it's the same kind of thing. And so just being able to connect with other people like that and just yeah. see that, okay, you know, there are so many other people that are doing this. And it's, in my opinion, not a competitive marketplace at all. It's like moving out of that old paradigm yep. and into like, there's so much opportunity for collaboration because there's so many artisans that are out in the world making, you know, beautiful products that there's not enough companies doing this. So it's not at all like, oh, you know, we're over here and, you know, nobody else can be doing this. It's like trying to, we want to inspire other yes. people to, you know, if you connect with people and they're, you see them making amazing, beautiful products and putting so much time and energy into it, you know, do it. Like, t like take that step and just risk it because we do need more people to adapt that mentality in order to actually make a bigger impact because I, I really do, you said like the light at the end of the tunnel, I really do think it's possible to be able to change a massive industry with as much, you know, devastation as it has on our planet, on the people. And it starts with the consumer because the mm -hmm. consumer controls the market. And if we, if we adapt the market to be able to incline to uh, want more natural materials, way more transparent, you know, who's making these, where does it come from, what's in it? If that somehow gets, you know, in the contingency of how we're how we're consuming, then we're doing it. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's just it's like gonna, it's going to take the support of one another, like Tay was saying. And I'm just so grateful for you for creating this space and and for creating your design coven. Like it, it takes people like you banding together with people like us and all the others mm -hmm. that are doing this to shape the future. Like Tay said, I, I really believe that it's possible together. Yeah. No, it's absolutely possible together. And uh, I was just gonna add on, you know, with the design Kevin, it's like, I can only design so many places, right? That are energetically aligned with what you all are doing. So it's really about, again, educating, collaborating, sharing with all these other designers so that we can all <laughs> have this goal in mind and you know that much more faster and um, efficient versus like me being like oh I'm the only designer doing this and I'm going to take on you know this many clients like I can't I can't like it's impossible yeah <laughs> like your your back totally. like my back's getting heavy <laughs> yeah don't have sure. to be alone no, no we're not alone um, so this is a great transition into um, the energy of 
items that are actually coming into our spaces. And we're going to end this episode here, um, but we will continue next month with the energy of the items that are coming into our spaces. So I just want to thank you, Taylor and Jessica, for coming back on and sharing all of this. And of course, our series continues next month. Thank you so much. Thank you, Rachel. You've been listening to the Holistic Interior Design Business Podcast. If it's one that you have been enjoying, please share with anyone else that you think can benefit from this knowledge and leave us a five-star review that helps us get seen and found by other new and aspiring interior designers. And if you're looking for mentorship, I invite you to join our club here at the Design Coven. It's a bridge between school and real life interior design. We get in much deeper there. We have virtual and in-person events. So everyone is welcome. You don't need to have a design degree to be part of it. Just an interest in holistic interior design. I also want to thank our editor, Marcy Ferry, Blake Ferris, for all of her special help with the podcast, our social media posts, newsletter, and lastly, Kinseth Thibodeau, who is our music composer. Until next time, be well, and we will see each other soon.